Welcome to Bi Plus, podcasting for the Bi Plus universe. I'm Amy Leibowitz, and I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth Meacham. Today, we are joined by Kathleen Jowett, author of the new book, The Real World. Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Great to be here. So let's start us out. Um, you want to give us a little introduction, um, just whatever you want to tell us about yourself. Okay, so um, as Amy said, my name is Kathleen Jowett. Um, my uh, day job, I'm a trade union officer, which is uh, quite fun, makes very interesting stories. Um, by night, I'm, well, by evening, let's, let's, let's be real here, real here. I don't uh, stay up that late. Uh, uh, by evening, I'm uh, a writer, an author. Um, I live in Ely, which is a very, very, very small city in the east of England. Um, and I've been writing, I've been writing for a very long time. I've been writing seriously for the last, let's say the last um, 14 years. Cool. Let's get into your work. Uh, why is bisexual representation important to you? In your work? Well, I mean, I am bisexual myself and I just had never heard the word until I was 20. I think I had not seen the word. I had not heard the word. I did not know that it existed. And that meant that I uh, went through the um, this was my formative years. Uh, I made some major decisions um, without knowing that there was this whole identity that actually belonged to me that I, I couldn't claim because I didn't know about it. Um, so when I was when I was a teenager, when I was growing up, um, there was this law called uh, Section Twenty Eight in force in the UK. Mm -hmm. which I, I don't know whether whether you or your listeners will have heard of this. So this was um. This was in force uh, through the late 80s and all of the 90s. What kind of law was it? It was, um, it was a part of the uh, Local Government Act and what it meant was that, um, well, I, I'm going to try to quote it, it's not, I, I can't promise I'm going to get the wording right, but it was something like uh, promotion of homosexuality was forbidden. Um, so anything that might possibly have been go, uh, giving a uh, positive um, take on any kind of queerness, because it was, obviously wasn't just homosexuality, yeah. it was, you know, anything that was not, that was not heterosexuality. Yeah. Um, and anything that um, could, you know, it, it got back down to the, to um, um, what, what we ended up with was um, that you just, didn't mention this at all because if you were a teacher and you for example uh, in your lesson you mentioned that oh I don't know here uh, gay people exist you could lose your job if you were mm -hmm. a librarian and you put a book in your library that um, had um, uh, you know a, a, a queer couple in it then you could lose your job because um, because it was local government and schools um, oh, wow. uh, um, state schools um, come under local government, libraries come under local government, mm -hmm. all of that okay. um, meant that there was just this huge blank space where the, uh, where, where, where um, teenagers, um, younger children too, who might possibly have um, not been straight or not been cis, would not 
not have the foggiest idea of where yeah. to start with being anything else. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so, I, mean, I, I my my parents had um, had some gay friends, so I, I knew that some people were gay, um, and I knew that my parents were okay with this um, as much as your know, parents would have been at that time. Um, and um, I also knew that I was not gay mm-hmm. because um, you know you had the sort of standard crushes on boys had the. Yeah on girls as well but I did not know that that's what they were because it felt completely different and obviously if I had um, crushes on boys then I must be straight right 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 <laughs> yep <laughs> I think a lot of bisexual people are very familiar with this yes yeah so this was um this this is why it would have made such a difference to me so so I eventually um I'm, I'm uh, well I've, I've already dated myself but I'm going to do it even more so here I eventually came across the word bisexual in a um, live journal meme in <laughs> about 2004-2005. Um, so I was, I was at university at this point. I'd already met the man I would end up marrying. Um, we, I think we were already a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was one of those ones where um, you, you sort of bold the statements that apply to you and leave everything else um, <laughs> unbolted, if you remember those ones. Um, and this, th- this line of this meme said something like, um, I am openly bisexual and I have different reasons for liking women and liking men. So it, something like that. Um, and I looked at this line and I looked at it for quite a long time. And I thought, hmm, I, I cannot turn this bold. But not turning it bold didn't feel right either and there were several um several reasons why i couldn't have done you know the word openly for a start um and i'm not sure my reasons for liking people are all that different depending on gender i don't think that's the way it works for me so i I left it there but i was always aware that there was something going on um so that was that was the first time i'd heard the word and I do wonder if I'd if I'd come across it earlier, what different choices might I have made? Yeah, definitely. And I've been very very fortunate. My choices have all worked out pretty well. Uh, I'm with somebody who's who's great. Um, I've been with him for um, what are we now? Twenty twenty. So yeah, fifteen sixteen years. Um, but it's um, I'm I'm very conscious that it might not have been that way and I don't think it's fair to people to shut out that possibility to them when that might be the one thing that makes them makes them fulfilled makes them able to be Mm -hmm. who they really are yeah and so that's why presentation is so important to me definitely definitely for sure for sure yeah, I think it is with that generation we're more mindful about that representation. Um, I think it's it's kind of commonplace now, but when we grew up, it wasn't, and so we want right. to make sure that our kids know that this is a thing. It's just is what it is, and it's right. okay. It's valid. Absolutely. So, 
um, I had the the privilege of getting to read the first book in the in this series that we're going to be talking about. So, um, so I have maybe a little bit of context <laughs> that may not be there uh, for anyone who's only read uh, the second one. But they're both very focused on um, on the. Um, the spirituality of the characters just as much as their sexual orientation. So, um, so my question for you is, how do you see faith interacting maybe with being bisexual, either personally or with your characters, or how did those things fit together, especially when writing these stories? Mm. That's a really good question. I, I think for me personally, it is that they're both such a fundamental part of who I am that you know when you get all the way right out right down deep inside me you can't we, we all know that trying to not be queer is um just doesn't doesn't happen um and i found a similar thing with 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 my religion with with, uh, with christianity it's not um you know, I, I have a more or less ambivalent relationship with it going on, uh, you know, depending on what's um, going on in the wider church, um, mm -hmm. you know, both my own particular denomination and the worldwide religion. Um, but it doesn't matter how much I sometimes think, oh, goodness, I'm so fed up with this. I want to not be part of this anymore. I can't stop being part of it. Um, so that's that's the sort of more negative side the positive side is that it is again that that's that whole sense of possibility that i am growing i am becoming more and more the person i was meant to be and that person is somebody who has the potential to love anybody who is the who is especially it's a question of integrity it's mm -hmm. the this this is who i am i can't i can't deny it and i don't want to deny it um and i am trusting and believing that there is more to come that 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 sense of development um but it's got to be me as a whole person and that that means integrating all the different aspects, all the different facets of myself. Um, so that's, and that's something, I, again, we, we were talking about representation and there is very little representation of, um, certainly in fiction, of characters who do have a faith and who do have mm -hmm. that, that um, queer identity. Um, so, I started writing uh, Speak Its Name, which was the first book in the series, way, way back in 2007. Um, and it took me a long time to get that one finished. And as I went along, I did discover more books, um, including one of yours, Amy, that's, um, <laughs> uh, that, that, that does have that, that um, a character who, several characters, who, who can uh, claim both both identities. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning, it just felt there was there was nothing that um, that that seemed to think this was an option. So it was all either um, you know um, very um, uh, sort of um, 
inspirational books where the um, characters, you know, has these, um, these, these these thoughts and these urges, but they turn away from them and they become, um, yeah, you know, they 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 they, they, they find their identity in Jesus, etc., etc. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one. Um, it it's it's called um, it's called Dear Bob. It's um, it's quite. You can sort of see the similarities to mine in that it is set at a university and it does have this um, quite naive um, uh, evangelical Christian main character. Um, and there's one particular scene where um, she goes to um, a club night with some friends and she, uh, she picks up some leaflets for, I, I, I can't remember why she does it, anyway she brings them home. Um, and when she goes home for the holidays, her mother finds them, and her mother is fearfully upset because um, apparently she never bothered reading the, the, the these leaflets, and one of them was for uh, a uh, gay night. Um, and um, the, the main character explains, "Oh no, it's fine because I'm not gay." Um, and I w was left thinking, "But, but what if she had been?" what would the story have been like then? That just mm -hmm. felt like such a false reconciliation. And so, so that, that was one half of um, the books that were there. And the other half, of course, was the um, uh, LGBT character. I think, to be honest, they were mostly uh, G, um, mm. who is, um, you know, has a very negative experience with... Um, with the, with the church or Christianity um, is told they're sinful, etc., etc., and um, very um, understandably gets out of there and finds a um, finds uh, some people who will um, respect them as they as they are. And I could not find anything in the middle. I couldn't find anything that said actually, you know, some people are both, and so. I started writing those myself. By the time I'd finished, um, I'd, I'd found a few more, um, but they're still pretty few and far between. And it does feel like a um, like a story that's important to tell. Um, so, speak its name. We start with um, a character called Lydia. She's um, she. She's a lesbian. She's a very, very closeted lesbian. She uh, does not come out even to herself until about a third of the way through the book. Mm -hmm. um, rather before that, she meets Colette. And Colette is uh, bisexual. She says so in the very first scene when we meet her. It's quite an important uh, it's an important thing for her, I think, because she's she's very invested in honesty and mm -hmm. being not not letting people think things that aren't true um so she's she, she's a um chemistry student she's one of these really terrifyingly clever people um and i think she does have a quite a um sort of this is right this is wrong way, way of thinking um including about herself um, and 
she's basically come to terms with her sexuality um, years ago. Um, she's had a girlfriend. Um, she's fine, no problem. Um, what she can't quite cope with is a um, uh, closet uh, evangelical lesbian who might or might not be falling for her. Um, <laughs> So the second book, um, so I'm going to have to spoil the first one thoroughly for for you here, but um, uh, by uh, by the uh, beginning of the second book, uh, Colette and Lydia are a couple. They have been for a while, um, and Colette is now doing her PhD. And obviously being in the sciences, you do have that interesting tension similar to the tension between mm -hmm. being being fair and being Christian but also being a scientist and a Christian actually it's perfect <laughs> but nobody thinks it is and so you're always having to um, step back several steps in the conversation going oh actually uh, you might think that um, I can't possibly be this thing and also that thing but I can here I am being it um, yeah. and it's that again it's that sense of more things are possible than you think are possible um mm -hmm. the the thing for colette is that um you know that that statistic that's um uh, I, I can't remember what it is now but it's the, the one that um does bisexuals have awful mental health even compared to the other letters in the um in the alphabet soup um that is true of Colette. Um, so she's uh, she's sort of sliding into depression all the way through the book. Um, and I think it's really because she's she's got that that sense of what what if it's right? What if what if I, what if I am wrong about myself and what I can be and what's possible? Um, and it's uh, that's another thing that people assume is not compatible with religious faith um, and again very often it isn't because um, you do you do come across these awful um, where you know if you had the willpower and the um, if you had faith and faith and willpower uh -huh. same thing yep. <laughs> Um, you could just pray and everything would be fine. You wouldn't be depressed anymore. And, you know, that's not true. Um, but that's that's a sort of another aspect I wanted to um, to explore with that. Uh, that's that sense that we, are, we do have these very complicated personalities, more complicated than we'd like them to be. But that's what we're stuck with and I, I suppose every human being in the world knows that any other human being can't quite understand them there's always more going mm -hmm. on than you can express or indeed should express but I think with bisexuality it's more complicated because of the assumptions that go along with the, 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 you know, the way society works is so fundamentally at odds with the possibility of bisexuality mm -hmm. you do have that um that sort of opposite um assumption 
working against you all the time. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to me because you were mentioning about, um, trying to think exactly, I don't remember exactly who phrased it, but um, not being able to just flip a switch and be not a Christian, not being in the same way that you can't just flip a switch and not be bisexual. And I, see, I was going to say that I see a lot of that in Lydia, that she can't just turn off the part of her that is so motivated by her faith. Like, I, I just, I, I feel she's pretty inspiring, actually. I don't think she would necessarily see herself that way, but I really hope that other people can read this and um, and feel that way about her because she really has this incredibly deep faith and she can't just um, ignore it. You know, it's it's like that that constant for her. And of course, this this second story is not in her point of view. The first one was, but this one is in Colette's point of view. But um, it's in, so it's very interesting seeing Lydia from outside herself. Yes. <laughs> But that was something that I admired about her in the first book and in the second. And I also think that what you're saying about so few books where there's a character who is a faithful Christian, there are few, very few LGBTQ books about people of any religious faith where they're deep. Like there is just this assumption from people that no matter what religion you are, it's just not compatible. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and I, I got that, I got more of that sense of can't just turn that part of yourself off with Colette and her interest in, in science and her discoveries and what she's going to do with it and her, her questioning, what do I do with the information I have and what if I stop doing this, uh, who am I? And so I really love that those questions are being explored here. Um, this, this is not... Um, this is not a uh, a criticism of the book. It's um, it's a generally gently paced or slower paced story, and it is really about all of these internal things going on with them, rather than some big external drama. Um, and there's actually not a lot of drama between the two main characters. They're in a relationship, and it's overall it's a pretty healthy relationship. And I don't know that we see that nearly enough in LGBTQ books. You get romance where you've got, you know, the whole point is driving toward these people getting together and happily ever after, but who knows what happens after that. Um, or you get people with really dysfunctional relationships and what are they going to do about that because, you know, and, and it is true that for many queer folks, um, they, I, I read somebody describing his relationship with his partner as being they were like reliving their adolescence because they hadn't gotten to do things as teenagers that normal teenagers do and so in a lot of ways they were emotionally <laughs> ah. lagging behind other people their age behind heterosexual folks their age um but do I really want to necessarily read about that all the time? No, not really. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I like reading about people who are having healthy relationships, even when something is difficult in their life situation or for them personally. Yeah, I think that's um, the, the difference between the two is largely because of the, the sort of conflict that's 
externally imposed, I suppose. So the first one is all this um, students' union um, political background drama. Um, and okay, that is based vaguely on something that really happened. But I made up the university, I made up the uh, main players, I made up the students' union. I could do whatever I wanted and I could make it happen whenever I wanted. And that meant that I could really um, some squash things up, make the, make the drama happen over a, you know, a few months that um, um, was sort of still rumbling on long after I'd graduated in the, right. in, you know, the, the uh, real life story. Um, this one, um, this one, I, I, the real world, right? Um, it's, it is, um, the, the, the main conflict, the, the, the problem is the fact that the way things are with the Church of England at the moment is that you cannot be in a same-sex marriage and be an ordained minister. You just can't. So, um. If you're if you're already in a same-sex marriage, you will not be selected for training. If you are ordained and get married, you are eventually out of a job. And you know there, there have been a couple of high-profile test cases, if you like. And so, is are the the American Episcopal Church is part of the Church of England, isn't it? Uh, part of the Anglican Communion. So the yeah. Anglican Communion is this kind of umbrella which. Um, uh, takes in all the Anglican churches or Episcopal Anglican churches well yeah not really they're not really ruling each other no it, 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 it's, it's this, this odd relationship because the Archbishop of Canterbury who is head of the Church of England um, in the sort of day-to-day -day sense and um, we'll leave the Queen out of it for the moment because that just yeah. gets confusing but um, the Archbishop of Canterbury is in charge of both the um, Church of England and also is the kind of leader of the Anglican Communion okay. but within the Anglican Communion you've got all these different churches and they have wildly different interpretations of you know what it means to be a church and what it means to be an Anglican church yeah. and so you've got the um, US Episcopal Church um, and the, the Scottish Episcopalian Church on the one side um, who are you know way ahead with same-sex marriage, women bishops, everything, not a problem, off we go. Uh, then you've got some of the, um, and again, th th this comes back to the fact that a lot of Anglican churches are a, um, a sort of a product of uh, colonialism. And, um, you know, we rocked up um, uh, somewhere in Africa, dumped a whole load of um, horrible um, uh you know, treated, treated the um, inhabitants horribly, um, dumped them, uh, dumped the um, Anglican um, uh, assumptions, uh, expectations on them, and we've, we're still dealing with that. Um, and so there's a, a sort of um, this very wide spectrum within the Anglican Communion. And the Church of England actually seems to um, encompass most of them within itself it's quite interesting from an anthropological point of view that uh, you do have these very uh, um very liberal churches you've got these very yeah. evangelical churches very high churches very low churches um 
and you really do get all sorts and um you can walk into um you know st mary's um church um down one street it's a church of England church and there will be um guitars and uh, a band and um hellfire preaching and then you can walk into um st john's and there's incense and robes yes. and <laughs> you know, the vicar's gay and and this is all the church of england is this really yeah. um wide spectrum and of course there's a whole load of tension within that but, um, in anglican church you the church of in england the anglican church in england um you can't be ordained if you're in a relationship you can be ordained if you're in a relationship so um it's um it's this uh, the, the, the phrase don't ask don't tell comes to mind oh yeah okay oh. okay no we've got to end up in this ridiculous situation where um you can have a same-sex couple and one of them is ordained maybe both of them are ordained and they live together and um they they can't be married they can have a civil partnership um so civil partnerships were what we ended up with before we got same-sex marriage yeah um but we've kind of kept it um, um and it's in fact been um extended to um uh to heterosexual couples as well um yeah. which I, I think is great personally and i sort of you know, other people because it does have this history of um being used by the church to not let the clergy get married so yeah. other people feel differently um but yeah you, you can end up um with this um same-sex couple in your vicarage um and it's all okay because we're all pretending they're not having sex yeah <laughs> that's just ridiculous ridiculous the boosome friend that's just her boosome friend yeah yeah and nowhere else in the country does anybody think that the civil partnership is two good friends yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Of course, not. gal pals. Uh, um, let's move on here. Uh, what inspired you to write this story, both uh, speak its name and um, the real world? So I've talked about a bit about this. So um, speak its name. There was this. There was this um, long, tedious, fascinating political drama that was going on at my university. Um, and it goes on at loads of universities. The mine was not unique by any means, and in fact, several people who have been at different universities in different times that something just like that happened at wherever in whichever decade it was. So, um, so that that was a dispute between the Christian Union, um, which um, ended up with Evangelical Christian Union. Uh, having um being sort of imposed upon them because that was what they were um and basically anybody who was remotely involved in the student politics lost two or three years of their lives watching the christian union become the evangelical christian union become the christian union become the evangelical christian union and um, people got sued it was ridiculous um and I started out thinking, well, actually, the story that's got into some very minor newspapers is not what really happened. I want to tell the story of what really happened. 
Uh, well, thank goodness I didn't, because that would have been so boring. But it did provide this really interesting backdrop for what ended up being a story of a young woman from a very uh, conservative, small C, well, probably large C as well, um, uh, family background. Um, and this, this is sort of very low end of the, um, where, you know, it's um, Bible and traditional roles and all the rest of it. Um, and she ends up widening her horizons like, whoa. Um, the interesting thing was she didn't start out as the centre of the story at all. It, it, it began with as the reactions of um, six different people. Um, and she was uh, she was originally um, the love interest of one of the six, so Colette. Um, and Colette really doesn't care. Um, she cares in so far as it affects the people she cares about. She is really not bothered by whatever the student union's up to this week. Um, but I, I probably got most of a draft down before I realised this was not working and the reason it was not working was that it was boring. Um, and I wish I could remember who said this because uh, I owe them an awful lot. Um, but I read somewhere that the hero of the story is the person who changes the most. And I thought, ah, okay, I have this very conservative, very closeted, very anxious to do the right thing character at the beginning of the book. And by the end of the book, she is out, she's in a relationship, she is speaking up for what she believes in. That's my hero. So I had to rewrite the whole thing from her point of view, which was a, a bit of a challenge because, I, as I said before, she doesn't even come out to herself until a third of the way through the book. And writing that was was interesting. Um, and then um, it yeah, just uh, took away everything that wasn't from her point of view. Um, and I had most of a book. but. I don't, I don't know whether this is a thing for other people as well, but I find writing contemporaries, I, I, I still have the characters in my head, and I, uh, when things happen in the news, I find myself thinking, how are they reacting? What's going on now? Um, and so a bit later on, um, so things are happening in the Church of England. Um, they're happening slowly, frustratingly. Um, in fact, today we've just had a book published called Living in Love and Faith and that's uh, um, taken uh, four or five years to get to this point. Um, and I don't know yet whether it's some um, terrible or, or encouraging or something in between, um, but we will find out. Um, but I've had, you know, Obviously, I take an interest in what's happening to LGBTQ people in my church. Um, and there were these things happening. And it wasn't that big of a leap to go, well, so let's say one of my characters did want to be ordained, did want to become a minister. What would happen then? Um, and this, I think, explains the slower pace of this book, is that 
this time around I was constrained to the to the real world's timetable um, you know our, our, the um, shared conversations happened at a particular time and Tim Farron um, who was at one point uh, a leader of one of our political parties said something ridiculously uh, ill-advised at a particular time um, these things happen and if I wanted if I wanted to respect the real people who were, who were affected more closely than I was by these by these events then I needed to write that honestly and I, I that that's why that's why I wrote the book the way I did and that's what that's why I end it where I do um, you know I, it's quite tempting to wave a magic wand and make everything better but yeah actually that that doesn't feel very respectful to people who are still dealing with them um, you know the fact mm -hmm. you can't you can't yeah, be married that's the easy way out i think sometimes you yeah yeah it's, it's i actually really really and i i will i promise not to give any spoilers but i really liked the end of the real world um i liked i don't know i just i liked what you did with that i liked that you didn't that you didn't wave a magic wand. <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty big on open-ended, ambiguous, um, happy for now. Um, I'm I I have a preference for those kinds of endings as opposed to something that does feel like they got a fairy tale and everything is all good now. But I also like realistic stories, so you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like there's room for all of them, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just more interesting. I mean, yeah. And that felt quite important with uh, with the depression storyline. That if I, the author, had to go, well, actually, this happens to you, and this happens to you, and you're happy, the end done, that didn't feel like a good ending. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, it felt quite important to, this, is, this sounds ridiculous, but to give agency back to my characters by... Mm -hmm not imposing a particular and this is what you do next on them yeah i always get a little bit annoyed when um, authors talk about their characters yeah getting a mind of their own but it did feel important in this case to actually give them a bit of space yeah i agree i i think that was i think that was well done and i think yeah i mean you weren't it's sometimes when sometimes it can feel as if um, as if a story is saying this is the right course of action for anyone who finds themselves in a similar situation, and there wasn't any of that. They have to find their own um, way to move forward. Yes, I think that's that's something really important. Again, we're going back to representation is that sometimes you do need to see somebody who doesn't do. You know, this is the obvious the heroic the um uh, i suppose the the, the, the calling e even that um that it, you quite often find that there is one obvious right thing to do in a book and either the uh, your characters do it in which case hooray they're good people and they don't in which case boo they are cowards or villains or whatever um but I don't know how much of our real lives do we spend agonising over what we should be doing or if we shouldn't be doing something, we're doing mm -hmm. too much or too little or we should be doing more. Um, 
it's it, it's just that bit more more realistic I suppose to to make it more complicated yeah I think another one of my favorite moments in uh, in the real world is uh, Colette making the attempt to stand up for herself at that meeting where they're listening to the speaker and he's very clearly um, either either just sort of ignoring bisexuals or, or openly hostile. It was a little hard to tell what his perspective on that was, but man, I loved that and I loved the I loved the, the, the aftermath of that and Colette has more patience than I do because <laughs> I think I would have wanted to remove that guy's toenails one at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that. Um, so this this um, is a um, a sort of gathering of um, LGBTQ Christians from uh, uh, I've called it some um, West Country LGBTX. So. Um, Sort of, this would be sort of a real world um, Devon, Cornwall, Somerset, uh, Farber's Bristol. Um, anyway, yeah, sort of quite a big geographical spread, and uh, they've all come together at um, what happens to be Lydia's church. So Lydia's very keen that uh, she and Colette both go to it and uh, show willing. Um, and the speaker is this quite um, high profile ex vicar um, who's. Um, who's gay and who's, be, who's effectively lost his job because he's married his husband. Um, and is, is he biphobic or is he, is he ignorant? I think he's, it's most ignorance. I think yeah. <laughs> not, it hasn't occurred to him that bisexuals are actually people. That, <laughs> um, yeah. In, in, in his head, um, life is this journey from being born and being in the closet to coming out of the closet and um, uh, your partner and um, doing as best you can to live a life of integrity, which is great. You know, I, I, that, that, that is something I, um, I agree with. The problem is that he hasn't quite worked out that somebody else might not have that same experience and that their life of integrity might actually mean um, not coming out or right. not coming out the way he's come out mm -hmm. um, and I mean, this unfortunately is an attitude I've heard from various high-profile gay men that um, uh, you know bisexuality is something you go through all the way to becoming gay um yeah. yep by now gay later exactly yeah. um and he's um he's talking about uh the bishops in the church of england and he says that well obviously we know that some of them are gay and they've um uh, but they've got wives um well i suppose maybe 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 we could be very charitable and say they're bisexual which is just um wrong <laughs> so it's one of these things that could could be true but that but, but like that it's really not 
not respectful or kind or constructive in any way. Um, mm -hmm. And then we've got um, we, we we have Colette and various other bisexual characters in the in the um, audience listening to it and going, "Is he saying this? Yeah, okay, he's saying this. What are we going to do about him saying this?" And um, so there's a Q and A session at the end, and um, several of them sort of put their hands up and go, "Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to challenge this." But um, and again, this is this is, uh, is this malice? Is this um, incompetence thing? None of them get picked to answer their questions, and the compare starts wrapping up. And what do you do at that point? Um, right. And um, in fact, Colette walks out, and um, I, I'm not sure she actually knows she's walking out. Um, I think she she thinks she's following one of the other characters who who, who definitely is walking out, um, and she's trying to see see if Eve is is okay. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm quite fond of that scene myself. It ends up with um, this sort of angry um, uh, smoking and ranting scene outside uh, outside the church. Um, but actually, that has been one of the sort of most um, sort of affirming situations I've been in has been with other bisexuals going and this is why the uh, this, this is why we need each other yep yep I just saw a post somewhere in one of my Facebook groups where somebody said did he just because Biden gave his speech the other night and specifically mentioned gay, lesbian and transgender people there was no B and we were like there's a B there there's a B yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's yeah. when when you get the specifically bisexuals together, saying, and actually the L and the G and maybe even the T have left left us out, and they are not listening to us. They haven't noticed we're here, and that's one of the things that um that I found so so affirming about being in sort of bisexual communities that you do mm. you exist. And that is really quite, quite yeah, remarkable. Well, and it's funny too, uh, because, yeah. well, that whole, you know, you're, you're, you're able to just have that moment of ranting when you're with other yeah. <laughs> fellow bisexuals. But, you know, I think there is this, oh, if, you, if, even if you're, even if you say you're bisexual, you're not living your authentic life unless you're essentially presenting as gay or lesbian well, amorous. um and well i mean yeah maybe but in that case then you're going to get some garbage because you're polyamorous so yeah. <laughs> then you're just layering on top of yeah. but but yeah there's this if you're going to be in a relationship and you're going to be out and you're going to be authentic well then it better be a same gender relationship <laughs> but then you know but then i've met bisexuals who, who get pushed back in the closet when they're in a, specifically a lesbian relationship or, yeah. or if, if they're um, gay men, then they're like, well, see, I told you, gay later, by now, gay later, you know? And, and so it's like, yeah, we, we cannot win. We cannot. And, you know, I've, I've gotten really, um, I was talking to a friend about that book, uh, uh, that's a show, Orange is the New Black. And I'm like, well, that's a bisexual character. What do you mean? No, she's not bisexual. Like, yeah, she is. <laughs> Well, how do you know? Because the author who wrote the book, which was a biography, not the show, which is not, um, said she is bisexual. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Like, 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you guys want from me, but... Um, so I guess on that note, um, what do you want to see more of in bisexual representation? I mean, more. Um, <laughs> more of all sorts of, you know, bisexual people who are just, um, you know, in relationships, not in relationships, same-sex relationships, different-sex relationships. It's, it's so frustrating because even when they are there, as you were just saying, Elizabeth, that you're... Um, the, the audience just does not want to see them and they, they sort of exist like a well, sort of unstable heavy metal it's they, they are there and then bang you know it's folds down into um, whatever relationship it is um so i i would like to see more diversity um I would like to see more diversity in the different kinds of relationships that people can be in while being bisexual and in the kind of uh, other areas of their lives. I'd like to, um, you know, I, I, okay, going back a bit now, but uh, I'd like to see the, um, relationships that any of us would get okay yeah bisexual um i'd like to see that name so you know going back to uh willow and oz willow and tara she's bisexual get over it mm -hmm. um that and i would like to see less of the um well we will call this character bisexual but actually we'll never do anything with that um that you, you get more of these days. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I just like more, I'd like more complicated people, more interesting people. Um, I, you know, I don't mind the odd bisexual villain, but I'd like them to be interesting as well yeah, as yeah, yeah. a villain and bisexual. Um, right. Yeah. And um, I'd like to see some more good people too. Or, if not, you know, not uncomplicatedly good, because an uncomplicated good character is pretty boring. But I'd like to see um, more bisexual pro protagonists who um, who have something else going on in the story besides their um, besides their love life, because you know we are we are more than our love lives. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, short answer is more. <laughs> so, uh, more of all of it yeah, yeah. i agree <laughs> and i agree about the paying lip service to bisexual bisexuality we're gonna say it but it just it's really meaningless in this story <laughs> well do you have any other upcoming events or projects um and where can people find your work um and anything else you'd like to discuss mm, yes yeah, so well, on catching my breath at the moment so yeah. I've just uh, yeah done the release got a uh, blog tour coming up with um pride book tours on um instagram which is quite exciting i've never done that and done, done an instagram tour before um so i am at uh .com, so that's k-a-t-h-l-e-n-j-o-w-i-t-t.com 
Um, I'm on Twitter at Kathleen Jowett, Facebook at Kathleen Jowett, Instagram at Kathleen Jowett. It's really useful having an unusual name. Um, and yeah, I'm always, always happy to uh, meet new people. Great. We'll put that awesome. on the website too. Um, and go ahead and send me pictures or anything else you want posted. Um, but yeah, definitely we'll post the those links for everybody. And can, can you buy your uh, book on like uh, Barnes & Noble or Amazon or anything like that? Yes. So um, at the moment, the paperback is on uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble Bookshop. We've just had um, Bookshop has uh, just launched in the UK and we are very excited about this. Um, the ebook at the moment is on Smashwords and I am hoping it will be approved very, very soon now to go through to um, Kobo and um, all the rest of it. Um, I've got links to everything on my website so if anybody wants to get it and I'll, I'm quite sure where is best, probably go, go straight to my website and look at the top post. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been really, it's, it's been a slog but it has been worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I highly recommend for anybody who's listening, they should read Speak Its Name first, which is probably, which is still in my list of top LGBTQ books that I read back when I was um, reviewing regularly. And you really need the context, I think. Um, I mean, you could, you could, e I think you could easily read um, The Real World without having read it, but I think that it brings an extra dimension to it so but also i may be a little bit biased because i love both books so <laughs> well, I, I, I will say that one of my uh, beta readers um did say they didn't realize that this was a sequel so it does work as a standalone but um there's a lot certainly that goes on in the first book that i i certainly wasn't going to recap in the second so yeah of course yeah oh, thank you that's that does mean a lot to me <laughs> All right. Well, um, and just to close us out here, thank you, Kathleen Jowett, for being with us. Uh, and once again, the book is The Real World. Uh, you'll find all the links for everything on the website with this podcast. And thank you also to my co-host, Elizabeth Meacham. Remember, there is a whole Bi Plus universe ready to embrace you. Reach out and find your community.